Greetings, this is Partners in the Gospel, produced by the Great Commission Baptist Association of the River Valley, and we have with us as our special guest today, Howard Huddle, the pastor of Southside Baptist Church. Howard, welcome. Well, thank you for having me today. Well, you're, you're, you're most welcome for having you, and we're just delighted to, uh, to have a chance to talk. Howard is a, uh, has been a great friend, a great partner in the gospel. He he was actually elected and served as moderator for our association back in, uh, I guess he began his term in August of 2017, so it's going to be four years ago this August, and we were just talking, in some ways that feels like a lifetime, and in some ways that feels just like yesterday, but um, it is a bit of blessing. Howard, let's start off, Ben, how, Sherry, family, how's everybody doing? Uh, we're doing we're doing as good as we can be. Uh, you know, Sherry has been going through the cancer stuff and, you know, got through it. Uh, she goes monthly or every three months right now. Okay, so you're the, the three-month checkups three now? Three-month checkup, getting ready to go to the four-month checkup. Oh, that's fun. So it's, that's, that's kind of how you count it. Yeah, it's, it's like, like we count. How okay, far do we July, get to go? June, then we got <laughs> So, yeah, that's how we sort of count our time now is between MRIs. And, uh, but she's getting good reports. Uh, she's uh, doing great. Uh, our kids and grandkids are great. And How many grandkids do you have now? Oh, we have six. Yeah, six grandsons. So, oh, gosh. Uh, all boys. So yeah. you've already got a basketball team and, got a sub. and a bench. Yeah, you're, you're set. <laughs> We're set to go. And, you know, it's just awesome just to watch them grow and, yeah. to, and to grow up and uh, we're not around them as much as we want to be, but hopefully, you know, we can start spending a little bit more time with them. But, yeah, that's, everything's good. Yeah, that's Susie and I were talking um, oh, about a month or so ago. We decided that grandkids are God's blessing for having raised your kids and not killed them. Yeah, you know, if you could just have your grandkids first, thank you. Then great. <laughs> so much better. <laughs> uh, our kids look at us like, you're not the same parents that raised us. Who are you guys? That's right. We're not. <laughs> we're, we're not. Grandparents. We're grandparents. <laughs> Send them home. That's right. Oh, hey, what? Um, uh, let's go in before we get uh, in anything even halfway serious. What What is a unique fact or about Howard Huddle that everybody may not know that would be unique? A unique fact, boy, that's a toughie. Uh, there's not much about me that's really unique, I don't think, but I guess there is. Or is something people uh, would they wouldn't think of? They wouldn't think of being true about you. Uh, I hate bananas. You hate bananas? I hate bananas, yes. How can you hate bananas? I hate the texture of bananas. <laughs> I hate the texture of uh, cheese puffs. I cannot stand really? to eat a cheese puff. So or anything kind of white and yellow anything and tasting weird. It's just nasty to me. <laughs> well, what, what is your favorite food? Uh, my favorite food would be uh, bacon cheeseburgers. Yep. Yeah. Couldn't be very much further in texture than a banana to a bacon cheeseburger. That's right. <laughs> Okay, Fort Smith, who do you think has the best bacon cheeseburger in town? Uh, best bacon cheeseburger would be Freddy's. Yeah, yeah, you probably I've right. eaten. Yeah. I've eaten about every about place in Fort Smith. And, <laughs> and bacon. And, and so and Freddy's, Freddy's has Freddy's the best has bacon cheeseburger. And you throw in some jalapenos on it and all that, you're good to go. Life gets good. Yes. Oh, man. <laughs> well, hey, let's, let's, I don't know how to segue from bacon cheeseburger to, uh, did bacon cheeseburger have anything to do with your salvation experience? Uh, no. <laughs> All right. Well, then we'll, we'll just know that it had nothing to do with it. But let's start. I, th this um, to give people an idea. How did you come to Christ? Follow him in baptism, and then and then feel a call to ministry. Okay, I was uh, I was raised by Christian parents, uh, so I was taken to church on a regular basis. Uh, Where was that at? At Myrtle, Missouri. Uh, wow. A small church. It was, a, in fact, it was a Free Will Baptist church. I was raised Free Will Baptist. Okay. 
And so, uh, you know, so I was taken to church on a regular basis, and uh, my Sunday school teachers, uh, my, you know, the pastor, he preached salvation by grace through faith. It's just yeah. they just sort of had some of the issues wrong. Yeah, doctrinally, yeah, yeah, you know, the, when it comes down to, me, yeah, to yeah. the security thing, which at that time I didn't know that. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I'd heard the gospel message. I was feeling conviction, and uh, it, but it wasn't until I went to church camp. I was 13 years old. Is on a Wednesday night. I can still see it uh, today. I was I, I was under conviction even at camp, and so on Wednesday night I went and sat as far back in the tabernacle as I could get in the middle section. So I was saying, yeah, you, you're, you're saved, like, buddy. I've got lots of people all around lot, me. But as soon as the invitation hit, the Holy Spirit was like, you know, it's it's time. And so I went forward that night and I gave my life to Christ. And uh, two weeks later, came back. Uh, after we came back from camp two weeks later, uh, I was baptized in a, in a, there by the church, by the pastor, in a just a small creek. That yeah. was down from the church. So we had to wait for warm weather, and it was. I'm glad it was July. So, uh, but yeah. Oh wow. Well, hey, run them back. Okay, you're 13 years old. You've been raised in a in a Christian home. So how did how did the Lord convict you of your sin? I'm I'm taking it you weren't robbing banks or. I was a good kid. My I never gave my parents any trouble. Yeah. <laughs> or at least know, none, none that you'd, yeah, you'd claim. Yeah, yeah. That I would claim. But no, it was you know I was just at that point in my life where I knew that. Uh, I was good, but I wasn't saved. And so yeah, I, I knew I was feeling. lost. And so I, if, I knew that if something were to happen to me, I would not go to heaven when yeah. I died. And so uh, the Holy Spirit had been working on me in that and just sort of showing me that even though I was good, uh, I thought I was good, which we're, we can't, yeah. we're not, but it's, I thought I was good enough, yeah. but yet the Holy Spirit was saying, no, you're not. Yeah. And so I, I knew then that I needed to give my life to Christ. Well, it, it's so uh, such a big reality to realize that that we tend to compare ourselves to the people around us that we know are worse, and the Bible tells us we have to say, "Do I look like Christ? Am I sinless? Am I perfect?" And that's where we all fall so mm-hmm. incredibly short, no matter how good we think we are where we're at. But really, it's that reality that that Christ has offered salvation, and and just to turn that down. That's the sin that separates you from him. It's mm-hmm. not the what you do. It's what yeah, you don't it's do what you don't except do. him. Yeah. Um, okay, you baptized free, the Free Will Baptist Church. And again, just about every free will pastor I have ever talked to, whenever we get to talking about, you know, security of the believer, every once in a while we get into foot washing, but usually it's that security of the believer that it's the, the, the possibility of apostasy that's the big thing. And everyone I've ever talked to, when we start talking about people and like what happens, it's, it's like, well, yeah, they were saved and they were lost. And I'm looking at them going, no, they never made a genuine commitment. Yes. And, <laughs> and I, I never forget Freddie, uh, not uh, uh, Frank, uh, uh, oh, gosh, I'm blanking on his last name, Pastor Sunday Lane Free Will, whenever I was uh, um, growing up, Frankie Wiley, was a, assembly, was a Free Will Baptist pastor in uh, the town I grew up in. And uh, we were good friends with his kids. We all went to school together. And, I remember Frankie looking at me and saying, Jeff, it's the autopsy. He said, when someone dies, we argue in the autopsy. Y'all say they were never saved, and I say they uh, they were, they lost it. He said, but it's the spiritual autopsy, not the reality of what the gospel is or what a person has to do or even even how a person lives and whether or not they have security. But I do remember back, and I'm just curious as to, uh, uh, to how you uh, process through it, 
the, the Baptist faith and message says that uh, that baptism is to be scriptural baptism, to be in mm-hmm. the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. I remember some real hard line, old, old timey Baptists that were like, anything other than a Southern Baptist baptism is not good enough. You got to be baptized again. But for us, the way the churches that I grew up in, the way I always pastored, was that we believed in scriptural baptism. Mm-hmm. And and the thing is, like when we talk to free, about free will churches, their doctrine of baptism is sound. They they baptize believers that mm-hmm. have made a clear profession of faith, the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, symbolically by immersion, creek or otherwise, just like like we do. So, as you were growing up, whenever when did you decide? You know what? I think I may be more Southern Baptist or Great Commission Baptist than I am free will. How, how did that awareness strike you? Well, it, it started out, uh, I ran around with this guy at school. And mm-hmm. we went to off, off of school. It was, it was a, a cousin of a girl. There you go. And so, there's always a girl. And so there's always a girl involved in this. And so this cousin introduced me to his, his cousin. This, this guy, he introduced me to his cousin. Okay. And uh, so met this, this his cousin. I asked her out. Well, she happened to be Southern Baptist. So, so I went to my church on Sunday morning, and then on Sunday night I'd You'd go to church I'd, with I'd her. Hop over and go to church with her. Yeah. And hop over is thirty miles from, from where I live, <laughs> but I'd go to church with her not every Sunday night, but a lot of Sunday nights. And I was hearing this doctrine stuff, and I'm like, okay, yeah. that's kind of different than what. Yeah, because that Sunday nights that was big. Taught, yeah, you know. And so uh, kept dating this girl. Well, eventually she, be, she became a wife. So, Sher- <laughs> so Sherry's Sherry, the one that we can Sherry credit with this, huh? You All can, right. You can, you can do this. But, yeah, uh, so what happened was it wasn't that I just said, okay, I'm just going to quit this cold turkey and be a Southern Baptist. What I did, I started studying Scripture and looking at the security of believer and what did the Scriptures teach about it. Wow. And I come to the conclusion that they're not right. <laughs> and they are yeah so that's when basically when the change be- i started changing in what i believed as far as uh, security of the believer and uh you know i preach it hard i preach security because i came out of a denomination that says hey you can you can lose it you know you can get saved and lose it and well mm-hmm. i believe that if you were to be able to lose it if you could you would never be able to be saved again yeah because jesus yeah, had to come what, back yeah, and do it all Hebrews, over yeah. again and so i'm like okay this cannot be right because if i if I was saved, and, and what good am I to tell someone else or have someone else to give their life to Christ and say, well, but it's only as long as you're good enough or as long as you don't sin enough yeah. too much. So it, it always amazed me that whenever you grasp the fact that when Christ died, he paid for my sins thousands of years before I was even born. That just blows my mind. Yeah, that he knew he, he knew, knew me, he knew, and he knew how to forgive me. And and so those sins, once once I realize how to to, I always say the resurrection is the is the receipt on our redemption. It's us saying I believe this is how my sins are paid for. Um, that's that's in full from from birth to death and everything in between. Mm-hmm. And um, that's the that's when that amazing truth that God's grace is just that it's a gift. We can't earn it. And we can't work hard enough to keep to it. Keep, no. It's just we just have to realize it is the gift of God. Mm-hmm. Um, how how did that go over? Because I know a lot of a lot of families. How did that go over your parents? Because obviously, they, I mean, they they raised you in the faith. Yeah, just uh, not not nothing real. I mean, they didn't 
you know, of course, my mother had passed away when I was 15, so uh, my dad, you know, he's still, he was still living at the time, but uh, he didn't, I mean, he didn't come out and say, well, you know, you're wrong, and you need to, you know, you need to think about it. He didn't say, you know, Babe didn't say anything, and uh, I think he was just glad that I was, you know, connecting somewhere. You were connecting, and, and you were, uh, yeah. You know, and even though we didn't agree theologically or doctrinally on the security of the believer issue, uh, but my dad, even even him being a free will Baptist, in his heart, he believed in security of the believer. Yeah. You know, he believed that, but yet, you know, it was like, he said that, okay, come on. Let's, but what if, <laughs> yeah. what if, what if, what yeah, if? Yeah, what and that, if? One of the things that strikes me, because uh, what we're talking about here really is uh, is is understanding in in core doctrine. The, the, when I look at, when I talk to almost any other evangelical believer, if they have the gospel right, that, that, that God has created us, that, that man's a sinner, and that the only way that we can be saved from our sin is by the, by the substitutionary death of Christ, his resurrection, and repenting of our sin, putting our faith in him, that's free will Baptist, that's most evangelical Presbyterians, that's mm -hmm. Assemblies of God, that's uh, uh, Great Commission Baptist, Southern Baptist. Uh, I mean, I could go down that list of a lot, a lot of free will, or not free will, but of non-denominational Bible groups around. When we talk about the, the core of what is, what is salvation, and for a lot of them, Presbyterians, Methodists, decide even, even uh, um, baptism, we agree on so much more than we disagree on, and, and uh, one of the ways that uh, so many theologians are worded is there are first order or first tier doctrines that have to do with whether or not you're a believer, period. And then the second tier is kind of how we sort out and say when we're living out the faith, there are some things that are important for church members to agree about to be able to, to be together and to, to teach and to preach and to, and to grow. And then there's some stuff that even inside the church we may disagree but as long as we love each other and we all try to live our conscience, it's it's okay. Those are things like, you know, exactly how is Christ coming back? Well, once we agree that he's coming back and he's going to judge the world and there's heaven and hell, the timing, while it can be really interesting as important, shouldn't separate us. Uh, the uh, One of the things that I've noticed, though, is a lot of people are afraid that, that if they come to a conviction— uh, I've always told, for me, it usually ended up being on uh, on the charismatic gifts and tongues. Members would come, and they would have the decision that they thought they were going to, that, that God had them speak of it, and I would listen to them, and I'd, I'd try to show them in Scripture. And if they were just convinced that they needed that need, that I'd say, you know, you probably need to be in an assembly of God or a Pentecostal church and not here because I can't, if pastor's supposed to equip, I can't equip you to do something I don't think yeah. is following scripture. Yeah. And uh, and that, and rather than it be a, a separation, it's really, I, I kind of rejoice. If, if someone leaves and goes to a church that believes the Bible and believes the gospel, uh, my confidence is if they will stay in the gospel and they'll stay in the Bible, they'll eventually discover I'm right. Uh, <laughs> at least come around to the truth. Yes, that's the that's, <laughs> now look at it. Come to the yeah, truth. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and, uh, uh, and I watch that a lot today because I would much rather have somebody 
doing the best they can to, to live out their faith uh, in a genuine way than to necessarily be um, a church bearer. I, but gosh, even inside the association, we have churches that are that are probably better suited for different believers mm-hmm. in, in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, man, that's a uh, that's incredible. Okay, so so Sherry has lured you in, and like a Maria, and you've looked to see, man, is this crazy girl know what she's talking about? And and you were convinced. Ultimately, though, that what I'm hearing from your testimony is you weren't convinced by Sherry. You were convinced by God's word. Yeah. As as you just said, uh, it's time to study more. That's yeah. a that's incredible. Okay, so now you've you've come over. You're studying you're studying the word a whole lot more, trying to say what is this? How did God call you to preach? Oh boy, uh, he. Of course, me and Sherry we get married in 1980, and so uh, through that process, uh, when I when I asked her to marry me, I asked her three times. Wow. And and the reason was she wouldn't say yes the first two times was because God had told her in her heart that you're going to be a pastor's wife. Uh-huh. And so did she fir- tell you that? Or so she the, just fir- said so no. the first time that I asked her, she said no. And it said, and then she told me why she said, God has basically has shared with me through the study of his word and everything that I'm supposed to be a pastor's wife. I said, okay, well you need to marry somebody else and not me. Well, she kept, <laughs> she kept dating me, you know, and, you know, I'm like, okay, you know, I, I don't, that's not me. That's not what I'm wanting to do in my life. Well, the third time I asked her, it was, she said yes. And then she said the reason I said yes was because I felt like God released me to marry you. And I'm like, okay. Well, okay. But in my mind, I'm not thinking about. You're like, forgot, I'm still not I a preacher, Sherry. <laughs> I forgot about, you know, the year before that when she said that she's supposed to be a pastor's wife. And then in 1984, God began working in my heart, in my life. Okay. And I'd been teaching Sunday school, been doing different things, and uh, he was uh, he was uh, just sort of pulling me along, basically. And because I wasn't walking it, I was he was kind of dragging me in that direction. And uh, but in uh, 1985, it was on a Sunday afternoon. I remember the Sunday afternoon, and it was two o'clock on a Sunday afternoon. Wow. I, me and Sherry, we're we're because dis- we're discussing this because. The, in, from 1984 to 1985, I gave her every opportunity to lead me. I mm. did everything I could, uh, just the way I treated her, because I was under conviction. I was fighting the conviction. Mm-hmm. And so because and I her. was under conviction, I was taking it out on her. Wow. You know, and so for that year, she could if she had walked out on me, I wouldn't have thought twice, because I gave her basically every reason to do that. Wow. And, but she hung with me, and... Uh, she, uh, in, so that Sunday afternoon, two o'clock, we were, I said, listen, I said, I can't do this anymore. I cannot keep going the way we're going. I said, this is what God is calling me to do. So at two o'clock, we knelt, knelt beside our bed and I surrendered to whatever, I didn't know what I was surrendering to. You just said, I just knew he was calling me into ministry. Didn't know what direction we were going or what was going to happen. Well, what were you doing then? Because that y'all had been married going on five uh, years. Going on five so. years. I was working. I was just working at a factory. Yeah. And uh, I was. Uh, I w- had been. I had been working with youth in our in the church that we were at. I was part time youth guy, and so I'd been working with the youth, teaching Sunday, uh, teaching uh, discipleship training, and mm-hmm. Wednesday night, just different things like that with the youth. 
And, uh, but it was in that that God was, I knew God was calling me to something more uh, than that. And uh, so I surrendered in, in 1985, is on August the 4th, wow. 2 o'clock in the afternoon. I can still see it. And I'm like, okay, I get them like, what do I do now? <laughs> wow. I mean, I don't even know what I'm supposed to do in my life. Uh, that was on the Sunday. On Wednesday, I was enrolled at Williams Baptist College. All right. Or at Southern Baptist College yeah, at that back time. Yeah, And which now it's a university. But at that time, I was enrolled. And I was ready to go to college and still didn't know really. I was just taking, bio, just taking some basic courses, uh, 16, 17 hours of basic courses through that semester. And uh, I was – I had – because I had worked with youth, there was other pastors that knew me. Mm-hmm. Because of that, well, so they were calling me to be their youth guy. Yeah. And so here I was, and I couldn't say yes because I'm like, I don't really know if I'm supposed to do this. At one time, I had four churches that had called me. And so uh, did not really know. So I had this friend of mine who was going to be gone one weekend say, Hey, will you preach for me? You know, and I've been preaching, you know, off and on. I said, Yeah, I'll preach for you. And I preached Sunday morning. You know, everything went okay. Preached Sunday night. It was in the, I was in the middle of my sermon. I can't remember now why I was even preaching. But God basically spoke to my heart and said, this is what I want you to do. Wow. So got done that night. We were leaving uh, the church. And I told Sherry, I said, God's called me to pastor. I said, I know that. So Monday morning I get up. I call these four churches and said, can't do it. God's you know, called God's me to pastor. Me to pastor. And so that's what I'm going to be uh, be doing. So uh, from there on, that's that's wow. where that's where we're at Fort Smith today. You know. Well, now uh, was Sherry gracious and didn't look at you and say, "Well, it's about time." I told you that. Well, she's you know Sherry, she's gracious. Yeah. You know, she's kind. She's you know she didn't she say is. you know I told you so. If you'd have just done this, you know, no, it was it was a process for all of us. And I had two kids, you know, at the time. Wow. So that had to be a little bit terrifying. It was. We I quit my full time job, went to college, married two kids. Wow. I'm like, how are we going to support ourselves? And I mean, God just, you know, in through all of that, He just provided everything for us that we needed. Well, what what was your first church then? Once you decided to uh, my pastor? first church, I was pastoring. It was uh, my second semester of uh, college, and it was Salado Baptist Church. Salado Baptist, Baptist Church, and uh, it was seventy-seven miles one way oh, wow. to the church, and uh, it's just a part-time church, and uh, they run, uh, they they were running about forty people. Uh, I stayed there about six months because it was just the time. Yeah, uh, that's an hour and a half. It was just an hour and a half way. there, and, and and then back. So we were spending three hours on the road every every service, and so. I'm like, okay, I can't. We just can't keep doing this, and mm-hmm. uh, so I resigned. And they were running. We got up to over a hundred. What uh, in six months? In six months. Wow. So I mean, it was. We saw growth, but it just wasn't. You know where it was. And of course, Saladoes owned by Batesville. Yeah. So uh, just a small church out in the country, you know. And but that was my first church that I ever pastored. Oh wow. Uh, they uh, they were gracious. <laughs> God, I, I know. I think back to Blue Baptist Church. My first, we were we were about a little over six months, about nine months there. Uh, when I was in seminary, right after Susan and I got married, and uh, learned so much. I mean, it's amazing how much you learn about what it, the weight of being a pastor in that in that first six months year that you uh, 
Yeah, because so, you go in thinking, I know this. Yeah, you oh, go in I thinking, can, I, I can preach yeah, been, how hard can this be? I've been in the ministry for six months. I know. I am. Uh, 30 years later, and I'm still like, ah. I know. I, <laughs> I feel like the longer the longer uh, I'm in ministry leadership, the, the less I think I know. The less I know. I know. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly right. Well, how many how many different places has God had has God had you to? Oh boy, in early years it was a lot. We felt like we should move every you know every two or three years. It, yeah, that, it seems like you know, it, it, everybody's twenties and thirties. You know, feels my like. last two my last two churches have been twenty plus years total. So, yeah, but prior to that, I was at one. Oh boy, probably about four or five. Yeah. Prior to that, how long you've been? How long have you been at Southside? Now? I've been at Southside seven and a half years. Seven and a half years. Yeah. And you were you were twelve, almost thirteen. Thirteen uh, at the last. At the last. Yeah, last church. Yeah, been in ministry, been pastoral ministry for thirty-five years altogether. So. The uh, well, how, well, this that. How did, how did you know that God was bringing you to Southside? Because I didn't want to come. I didn't mm-hmm. want to come. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't want to come to Southside. And there's nothing against them, mm-hmm. but it was just, I just, at that time, I didn't know if, because I had sort of experienced some stuff in ministry. And I'm like, the, yeah. I had left the last church, didn't have really anywhere to go. So we ended up at the children's home at Owasso. And even in, you know, in that, Sherry's like, you know, this isn't for us. And I'm like, I know it isn't, but I just don't really know if I even want to pastor anymore. Yeah. And uh, so that's where I was at. So whenever that's we started started getting connected with them, uh, you know, and even even when we were connecting with them and talking with them, I would I would go home and go back home with Sherry. And I'm like, I don't know if I even want to pastor anymore. But uh, but yet I knew as we talked that that is where God wanted us, whether for them or for us, I don't know. But that's where God wanted us, and that's where we are now. Uh, I tried to say no to God two or three times about mm-hmm. going there, but yet he kept pre- impressing it upon my heart that that's where I needed to be. And so that's where we are today. And uh, we've had a, you know, a decent ministry. Haven't yeah, had, just, I, you've just, had a, just haven't had a, you've had a, gr- you had a, a blowout or anything, but, but, you know, we've had a, a stable ministry, you know, the seven and a half years we've been there. You've been able to grow. And, uh, and gosh, I watched y'all. I've watched you and Sherry heal at Southside, but I've also watched Southside heal together. It's as if yeah. God put together the uh, the combination that that needed because you you brought some vision and hope. And uh, uh, Southside was on that. Whenever people look at those, you know, church life arcs, Southside had gone through her edge of town cutting church back probably forty fifty years yeah. ago, and had been up, and then had been on a pretty steady, not a excuse me, not a rapid decline, but just as the as the neighborhood there around the hospital, as everything had shifted and changed, it seemed like about every generation, every 10 years, you'd lose another set of leaders, mm-hmm. and it was wondering, God, who are you going to bring in and how will you bring in? And uh, I watched him stabilize that. And, uh, and man, really, they they were about half convinced when you came that, that you were just going to be there to kind of let them shut the doors and be done. But You've reminded them God wasn't done with them yet uh, by a long shot. I I try to instill that hope in them that God isn't 
finished with them yet, that he still has a purpose for them being on 2400 Dotson Avenue. He, That's right. He still There's has a, reason. a purpose for that. We don't know what, you know, sometimes they don't, what is it? Well, it may just be ministering to those who are coming in off the street, and yeah. we have a lot of that happening. Yeah, you do. you got a great Just sort of come ministry. in off the street or drive. We've had people driving, you know, come in, and I'll talk with them. And well, how did you how did you find us? Or, well, I was just driving by, and it was like God said, you need to go in there today, and you would preach exactly what I needed today. Yeah. And so, if, you know, I said, you know, we don't really know sometimes, you know, our purpose is sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with as many people as we can and serving him with our lives. Now, beyond that, how that happens is is what we, you, you have to find the purpose in that. You know, how do we do what we do and as God is calling us to be the ministers and the servants and the, and the witnesses he's called us to be. And so, you know, they, they, they sort of bought into that. That because I was told when I went there, said you know somebody said, well, you know, we were told, you know, we just need to go ahead and shut the doors, and within a year we'd be closing our doors anyway. And uh, that was after my first year there, and they they were telling me this, and I'm like, okay, we're here a year. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you know, were thinking, so God, all right, God, so God you, you moved me back in, yet, so right. yeah. <laughs> so I'm I'm going to, and uh, I I'm I'm with you. I believe that uh, that the need for a a healthy Great Commission Baptist Church in at 2400 Dotson is real, and um, means a lot to me because I've watched whenever uh, uh, when the old Emmanuel Baptist Church finally closed their doors, and mm-hmm. and we were uh, and we were working with that property. One of our great goals was that there be a a good, healthy Great Commission church there in Cornerstone uh, Church right now, Mission of Grand Avenue, is being that they. Have just called uh, or brought Aaron Chastain on, and and that's good. But going back before all those gyrations started, uh, I remember meeting with you and your men and talking about do we need to relocate because y'all mm-hmm. had a pretty steady ministry to both to 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 Fairview, but especially to Ramsey Junior High. That's part of your field, and it 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 zeroed in. And I remember y'all really looking and saying, God, can we do more for the kingdom here? Mm-hmm. Or where we're at, mm-hmm. and uh, it kind of amazed me. Y'all came to the conclusion, God, it wasn't just that we're here because there's no way for us to go or no way to get out, but we're here because this is where God has us. Mm-hmm. Walk, walk me through a little bit of that. I know what it was like that night, but with your men, how how did y'all seek God and come to that decision and conclusion? You know, we, you know, we we met after we had met with you and, mm-hmm. and went through the the building and went, you know, looked at everything and. You know, I was seeing pros and cons of everything, yeah. and uh, so you know, we went back, and there was one. There was one who was really gung ho. Was hey, let's do this now. Let's pull the, you know, string and let's go do this. And I'm like, nah, let's pray about this. Let's see what God's plan is in all of this. And if if it is God's plan for this, uh, for us to move from this location to that location, I want to make sure it is His plan and not something that we just want to do to be doing something. Yeah, and uh, so we prayed about it, and so for about a month we prayed about it, and so we had a meeting, and I came back with them, and I said, I'm just going to tell you my opinion, and I don't know what you all what you all have conclusion have you come to through your praying, but I want you to share. Uh, I want you to hear about my conclusion is through praying and seeking God's will in all this, and I just laid it out there, said, you know, I said we're here for a reason, and uh, I said we could move to move if that's all we wanted to do. If nothing's going to change, why move? Now, yeah. if we're looking at going in and making a difference for the kingdom, and we're looking at outreach and all of that, I said, we can do that where we are. 
because we're going to have basically we'll have a different type of uh, you know clientele if you want to call them clientele yeah than where we are yeah I said but somebody has to reach these people where we're here where yeah we're, where we're at yeah you'd have moved that would have been about that moved y'all what about a mile about and a half mile, two miles yeah south? about a mile mile and a half you'd have been you would have been closer and one of the big advantages there that Cornerstones realized is that when when Ramsey and Fairview are are loading and unloading for school you get a chance to to be seen by or to, or to communicate to, but yeah. y'all sitting where you're at on Dotson, pretty much anyone that spends a lot of time over at Baptist Hospital, they, they end up by. driving by. Yeah. They end up at that corner yeah. of life. So. Yeah, and so we, so, and after, whenever I shared that, they said, well, we come to the same conclusion. We just yeah. don't feel like we're supposed to leave here. Yeah, and then in, in the midst of all of that even, of course, Ballman Elementary sets just south of us, just about four or five blocks south of us. Yeah. And so, uh, in the midst of all of that, uh, you know, later I, I'm like, okay, we need, we were connecting with them just one time a year with a meal. I'm like, okay, we need to do something different. And so I went and I met with Miss Griffin. She came at in, in July. I came in August of 2013. Wow! So, so we all were kind of we were kind of right, right there. there, new on the field and all of that. And so we were just kind of getting to know each other the first three or four years of we both being there in that in that mm -hmm. uh, area. And so uh, I, I go and I call her up, say, hey, can we meet? I want to discuss some things with you. And so we met, and I went through some things, how we could minister to the teachers of, of Ballman. Yeah. And, uh, you know, a lot of times the kids get it all, and the teachers sort of are out here. And I'm yeah. like, okay, I want to minister to the teachers. And so we, what we started was a just doing goodies for their teachers' lounge every month, and we just provide goodies for their teachers' lounge. And uh, man, we have gotten, we've gotten letters and phone calls, and uh, just the uh, just even Miss Griffin will send me uh, emails or text messages and say, "Hey, this is going on. Would you pray for us? Hey, we got this teacher whose husband is is going through this health yeah. issue or cancer or whatever it is." And so we've been able to connect and send even send cards, Christmas cards. One year we uh, we did Christmas cards for all the teachers and staff at Ballman, which was, I think, 36 uh, all together, and we included a $25 gift card for Christmas for them to use for themselves. Yeah, to Don't say, use it yeah, for this school. This isn't classroom. This, is, by, this, this is, is for you. Go do something for you. Yeah. And, I mean, it was – they just couldn't believe it. Yeah. That somebody cared enough to do that. It is. It's, it's amazing whenever you realize that to say that you're a great commissioned church and you're, you're a partner in the gospel, well, then realizing – that includes we've got a little we've got a corner of Fort Smith that we need to be especially tuned into mm -hmm. and I think I think Southside has done as good a job Southside and uh, and uh, and really with with Kavanaugh and uh, uh, Steve over at um, Haven Heights y'all have probably done the best job of establishing a an ongoing and a really good spiritual relationship. You meet a lot of the goodies and snacks, and I mean, just just saying, "Hey, we love you." But because of that, and because you've done that in Christ's name, I've watched y'all develop and be able to be the go-to people for those counselors and principals and teachers mm -hmm. on the spiritual needs, both of their own and in their students. Just and say, "Hey, I need prayer for this," and that's uh, uh, that's been amazing. I, one of the great tests, I think, of a of a, a great commission church is if something happened to her, would she be missed in the community? Yeah. 
and uh, and Southside, they you've got a lot of people in the community that would say that, that would miss Southside Baptist Church. She has been a great a great light and beacon mm-hmm. right over there in uh, on that little west northwest yeah. corner of. Uh, yeah. I know it's south side, but it's in northwest yeah, corner now. Yeah, at one time, I the guess it was, grown, maybe. It was once <laughs> upon a time, but now it's, yeah, it's, yeah you could almost be, you could almost be almost northwest Baptist city, Church. Yeah, yeah we're just moved to central. Inter, yeah. uh, what, um, um, as you look and just look at, you know, across the course of your ministry and the opportunities you've had to, to engage with people with the gospel and have just good gospel conversations, uh, what's uh, uh it, it can be from here recent and COVID, or it can be way all the way back to that first little church. What's a significant gospel conversation that you've been able to have with someone out, outside of the, the campus of the church uh, just because of the, that kind of reach community that just stands out in your mind? Oh, boy. Well, there's a bunch of them. Uh, of, course, of course, COVID has kind of opened some doors, uh-huh. you know, maybe. And, uh, you know, and has opened doors with even neighbors. And, uh, you know, I'll just say recently, uh, I had this, where we moved at, when we moved to Fort Smith, we bought a house. And so we moved into this community in this uh, uh, cul-de-sac area and uh, didn't know anybody, you know. So we're trying to get to know neighbors. And I have, we have a neighbor on the left side of us. Who is who is? I mean, Harley would even acknowledge us whenever we. Yeah. You know, he's just one of those. He'd be out in his yard and he'd just never look at you. You know. Yeah. And so I'm, I told you. Now we had one across the street. Now we're great friends. We spend a lot. We spend time together, and you know, and all that. But uh, the one on the left, I'm like, okay, he's going to be a hard enough crack. So I just started praying for the guy. Yeah. And I started praying for him, mentioning by name every day. Okay, God, you need to open the doors for us. Well, I forget what happened, but something happened. And he spoke to me. And, uh, well, what it was, uh, he was out in his yard. Mm-hmm. And he was doing something to his yard. And uh, we have, you know, we have gophers and stuff. In our yeah. Yards. Oh, yeah. And so I'm like, so I'm, okay, I just go out there and say, hey, call him a name. said, uh, what do you do to get rid of your, and then that sort of started a conversation. Well, yeah. now then, he waves and he, you know, and I've even been able to, uh, he came over one day, it was, it was during COVID. Mm-hmm. And it was on a, a Thursday afternoon. I had taken the day off, and I had been outside working in the yard. And I was sitting in our garage, just kind of cooling down. And uh, he walks over and, and says something to me, and said, uh, "said uh, Are you a school teacher?" I said, "No." I said, "I'm not a school teacher." So oh, somebody said you were a school teacher at Southside. I said, "No." I said, "I'm a pastor, and I pastor Southside Baptist Church." Oh, oh okay. And so that sort of started in a conversation. Uh, they're not Christians, yeah. And uh, and so, it, but it has it opened the door for me to share with him, uh, you know, the gospel and uh, the message of Christ. But yet, even though they they haven't given their life to Christ, uh, their their uh, their neighbors that we have started uh, at Christmas, I make candies and stuff. I mean, we started taking them candy. We started you know, building that type of relationship with them. And now then he's, he'll speak to me. Yeah. And so the door is just being, I think, just kind of pushed open a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping that it gets opened a lot more because him and his wife, they need Jesus. And uh, they got kids that are lost. And yeah. they're bringing in grandkids now. So, yeah, if they, if they will give their life to Christ, 
I mean, that whole family could be changed. Yeah, it'll impact uh, the family. Yeah, it's that's that's one of the things. It's really interesting because the uh, as we've done a few of these now, and we start talking about conversations. So often, uh, we think about it, and man, a lot of times at church, it feels like low-hanging fruit because people will come in, and they're coming to you because they're heavy under conviction, and it's uh, uh, they've had a lot of things going on in life, and so I've, we've had several. Um, conversation where someone walks up and they're just I know I need God tell me preacher how do I get there mm-hmm. but then the reality is that that when when the when the gospel talks about the need to to uh, to to furrow and to break up ground and the need to, to sow seed and the need to uh, to cultivate before the harvest I think we forget that a gospel conversation starts whenever we begin to establish a relationship and let people know that we care about them, but we also care about them spiritually. Mm-hmm. And and we're willing to have that conversation as fast and deep or as slow and long. And I think we've lost that art of the long gospel conversation, realizing that some people will know them a week or two and they're ready to accept yeah. Christ. And some it'll be months or years or decades of just faithful prayer and reaching out and not... Uh, not losing hope or losing faith in them or in what Christ is doing in their life, but saying, God, you, you give me a neighbor. One of them's a tough nut to crack and one of them's easy, but both of them need the yeah. same gospel. Yeah. And that's, yeah. yeah. And uh, one night we were out is during this COVID stuff. Of course I was talking to, to one of my neighbors across the street and uh, a neighbor down the street came down and was talking to us. First time I met, he just moved in. He and his wife had just moved in. And uh, the neighbor to our, the right of me and Sherry, they had moved out, and the yard was tall, you know, and mm-hmm. the grass was tall in the summertime. And so I'd been kind of mowing it, the front yeah, part of it. Yeah, just keeping it, keep it, keeping it keep, down. Keep the neighborhood looking yeah, good. Yeah, looking good. Not look like a jungle. And so yeah. uh, the neighbor across the street had mowed it once, and then the neighbor up the street had, that had just moved it. He came down and mowed it once. Yeah. You know, cause so y'all, ro- it, y'all are rotating. Rotate. So he came down. We'd never met him before. And so he came down and introduced himself. Well, he was using flowery language. Yeah. You know? And uh, he's sitting there, he's drinking his Bud Light or whatever he's yeah. drinking, you know. And, and, you know, I didn't say nothing you no, know, to the that's, guy. That's and, people. And he left, went back home, and my neighbor across the street said, I can't believe you didn't say nothing. I said, what do you mean didn't say what nothing? What am I going to say? He he's said, well, a- you know, his language and his drinking a beer. He said, I said, well, he's lost. He, well, I said, you, I don't expect that's what I expected. Him. I don't expect any different yeah. out of him. It'd have a different I, conversation I, if it was Southside Baptist Church yeah. on a Sunday night with one of my members. Yeah, but, that's, but if it's yeah. my neighbor who just moved in and he's lost, I mean, he's going to be looking like a lost person. Yeah, and it, he just couldn't believe yeah, I didn't not, call him out on it. And problem, I'm like, like, that's not the time to do it. I said, no, I, we will have another conversation eventually. But you yeah. know, that wasn't the time when he just walked up here and was introducing himself to us. I mean, we don't jump on him and. No, you know, beat Jesus it into is, it. It is funny. Uh, I think a lot of people think preachers expect everyone to behave like a Christian, but I only expect Christians to behave like yeah. Christians. I expect everybody else to behave <laughs> like they are, however they yeah. are. And you know, uh, and if, he sent me a text after he went home, and he said, "I told my wife, you know, about that." And she he said, said, "He's I just, a preacher." He said, "I just couldn't. I just couldn't." Just couldn't believe you didn't say something. I, I sent him a text back. I said, call him by name. I said, listen. I said, we will have a conversation. I uh-huh. said, but tonight wasn't the night to do that. No. I said, just pray for him. Yeah. Just pray for him. Pray for me. Pray for you. Yeah. That you will even 
see the need of having a conversation with yeah, you. Yeah, of, of being so, willing to Because you people. claim to be a Christian. Yeah. You know, you say you are, so even you need yeah. to be. Yeah, when the, when the Bible says, and Jesus was friend of sinners, that meant that, that people that were far from God still knew he loved them and, yeah. and, and wanted to spend time with them. Yeah. Um, just because he wanted to spend time with them, not because he was trying to... Christ will change people, but he didn't change people until he changes people. I, you, yeah. you don't act born again yeah. until you are born until again. Until you are born again. Yeah. People have tried that and it doesn't work. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't work. <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't, work. It doesn't really good Last at all. Last church I was at had a guy there. He had, he had tried that for 50-something years, you know, and uh, not that long. He was 54 when he got saved, so it had been for, for a long time. And uh, it was before I got there that uh, he finally gave his life to Christ after all those years of teaching Sunday school and and serving yeah, on trying to, committees yeah, trying and to. being on. He said, I was even on pastor search committees, bringing pastor. And he said, I was a lost dude. That's crazy. <laughs> he said, everybody thought I was saved, but he yeah. said, I was lost, you know? Yeah. And that, that is, that's just, he that, said, that, it wasn't working for me. Yeah. It, it was like, God, I'm going to check all these boxes yeah. and that'll be enough. And he's like, no, there's only one box to check. And yeah. that's, I want the righteousness that comes in Christ. Yeah. Oh man, it is. And it, um, I'll never forget. I, couldn't leave me Christ, but they visited an old man at our, one of our first churches that uh, was at Chelsea. And uh, I'd gone, we'd gone by to visit. His name had been turned in during a revival to pray for it. I just went by to see him and introduced myself. And he said, uh, um, Preacher, I know you're not, you know, and I, he said, I imagine you came to talk about gospel and Jesus and all that, didn't you? And I said, Yes, sir. And he said, uh, Well, go ahead, give me your best shot. And I, Clear as I knew how, I just laid out the plan of salvation. He said, I'll tell you what. He said, uh, I don't disagree with that. He said, but I'm better than any of those deacons or Sunday school teachers that you have down at church. And he was, he was a great day. He's an old rancher. And, I mean, he he worked hard. He raised his family. He loved his kids. He he helped at school and the community. You know, he uh, I had a deacon I was with that said, yeah. He said, I, I busted my back two years ago. He said, he mowed, he mowed my hay. He did two full mows of all my fields and bailed it and put it up and all that. And wouldn't take a dime for it. And he said, he's great. He said, he said, I promise you, I do not have a better friend or neighbor. And I said, I mean, I, no doubts. I said, the problem is that's not what saves you. Mm-hmm. And that's not why any of those people down there are saved is because they're being good. They, they're trying to be good and chances are you're, it's good, I said, but it's Jesus that you've got to compare yourself to. And mm-hmm. he, uh, um, man, he struggled because he, in his mind, he decided if I don't cuss, if I don't drink, yeah. if I don't cheat on my wife, if I don't do these things, then that's that'll be enough. Yeah, and, yeah. And and all that stuff is there's nothing wrong with any of that. No, uh-uh. but it won't make you right with God. No, it, it's good to be good if you you know yeah. if you can if you can be, if you can yeah, be. be as good as you, you know, can be, be as good as you can to your neighbors and treat everybody the way they need be you think they should be treated and how you'd want to be treated. But that's okay. But until it comes down to eternity, it's not going to it's not going to happen. I mean, you're not going to spend eternity with Christ because I I mowed my neighbor's hay. Yeah, you know, or something. You know, it's not it's not going to go. Not going to go that way. Yeah, I had a guy, you know, go back a few years, many years ago in, in ministry, and I was pastoring a small church, and had a guy in the community. He was a single guy, old. He was a senior adult, and somehow a lot of people. He he was kind of rough around the edges. I mean, he just a lot of people didn't like him and all of this. Well, somehow I got a report with this guy, 
I started visiting with him every once in a while. And uh, so I was, didn't go to church anywhere, wasn't a Christian. And so I just kind of started talking with him and, you know, treating him how I would want to be treated. And he sort of connected with me. And uh, he liked my wife and my family, my kids, and he liked them. And we, we called him Baker Bill and because uh, he would bake uh, all kind of stuff. All kinds yeah. of stuff. So we called him Baker Bill. That's who he, how he was known. And, uh, I mean, I shared the gospel with him I don't know how many times. And uh, every time he would just say, I know I need to, but wow. I just can't right now. Yeah. He said, I've got some things I need to work through. And, I mean, that went on for a long I left that community without him ever, that I know of, ever receiving Christ, you know, as his Lord and yeah. Savior. And, you know, that was really hard for me yeah, because I had, I had invested so much in his life. You know, yeah, and you, and you love him. I mean, you, you genuinely love them and yeah. it breaks your heart and to you realize. And you want that so much for them because if they would, you know, it would just change their life. But yet he just, because of all of the things that happened in the community, how people had treated him, he, mm -hmm. and those were Christian people that were doing that to yeah. him. And he's like, why do I need it? Yeah, I can't you know? get over. Yeah, he yeah. couldn't get over that. He couldn't get over that. You know, basically like what you were saying, he felt like he was just as good yeah. as they were. And so if they're going to heaven, I'm going to heaven. Yeah, and so, that's, <laughs> yeah, and you have to convince people that, yeah, that you look at the church and she has plenty of, that, that we are far from perfect. We're all in process. And, and um, like I've always said, lost people will pick out, you know, because they'll always look at the church and say, well, there's a bunch of, hip, there's a hypocrite. And they'll, they'll name a person and they'll always pick out that one person that, well, they're hypocrites. They are. Yeah. Well, in reality, we all are hypocrites. Yeah, I guarantee you. <laughs> at some time. But I'm like, okay, you always pick out the worst one. Why don't you pick out the best one? Yeah. You know, and, and look at their life. Yeah. And uh, we don't want to do that. No. And, and even when they do, you're like, but still. But still, they're hypocrites. Yeah. They're I, I promise you, if, if you knew, if you knew how hard <laughs> I had to work at how often I came under conviction, you'd be like, I'd never listen to him again. But yeah. But by the grace of God, it's not. It's not who I am. It's who I trust in mm -hmm. that makes all the difference. Yeah. And um, that goes. Okay, you, 35 years ministry, a long and a fruitful ministry. If you could look back and talk to that, to yourself in 1985, you're, you just know God's calling you to do something you've surrendered. If you could look back and give yourself any advice on, on what to focus on or how to, on ministry, if there's anything you wish that you would have known or have been able to learn early or earlier, what what do you think it is? Pray, pray, pray. Yeah. Spend a lot more time in prayer. And, uh, you know, didn't spend as much as I should have, you know, in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, if I look back 35 years ago to 35 years of being in ministry, I would tell myself to spend as much time in prayer as you can spend seeking God's will uh, for uh, not just your life, but for the people that you're going to be leading and you're going to be having an impact on. And so uh, to me, it would just be praying. Just pray, pray, pray as much as you can uh, because so many times we find ourselves kind of doing what we think is would be the better thing when in reality, if we would just have been, if I'd have been seeking God earlier in ministry, I probably wouldn't have moved as many times as we moved. Yeah, uh, we'd have, we'd have hung it in there and stayed in there and accomplished the things that need to be accomplished, and uh, but if I'd have just spent as if I'd have just spent more time praying, yeah.
at some point it sinks in whenever Jesus was talking to the disciples and they were talking about how hard this demon was to cast out. He said, that comes out not but by much prayer yeah. and fasting. You begin to realize there's there are some things, quite honestly, the some of the cosmetic things in church, they can be accomplished with or without prayer. There, there are some cosmetic things that just mm -hmm. good leadership or a little bit of hard work will get it done. But when you talk about really seeing change in people's lives and change in people's devotion and understanding all that, there are things in ministry that only happen because of extraordinary persevering prayer. And um, and I'm, I'm with you, man. When I was young, I thought, well, if I've spent if I've spent one day praying for half an hour on this, I've I've wept um, before yeah, the throne. We're, it ought to happen good. now. Yeah, we're good. And know. I didn't realize that sometimes that that yeah. half hour to an hour at a time on an issue happens over yeah. once a week for months, months. or years before yeah. you finally see God break through yeah. and bring the change that and realizing yeah. that to, to to learn how that's that's a big lesson. Yeah. What? How how has your practice of prayer changed? But for you personally, but also for for how you engage the church and call the church to pray yeah uh you know <clears throat> i spend you know my morning hours uh i get i'm a i get up early, yeah you're a morning so yeah. i get up early, you're a morning so person I'm morning person i spend you know my time in the morning in, in, in scripture and prayer and uh you know i use i use that time that personal time uh just basically uh, praying for myself uh for that day for whatever uh, doors God's going to be opening for me that day to be able to minister to those that he puts into my path. Uh, but then throughout the day, I have prayer times. I have I have a list of people that I'm praying for. Mm -hmm. And uh, and on that list is a pretty good chunk of lost people. And so I'm praying for lost people and that God will just open doors for me to be able to be the influence in their life, to be able to share the gospel of Christ with them. In fact, I've got two or three I'm wanting to in the next two or three weeks I want to have a conversation with with them to be able to come to that conclusion in their life whether they're going to get lost whether they're going to accept Christ or not mm -hmm. and so uh, but yet I do that and then also I, I'll, I'll go out in the sanctuary at, at some time during the day and I just pray in the sanctuary and uh, praying for uh, every person that is going to fill those pews that come in Sunday and I just sort of prayer walk the sanctuary and Sunday school classrooms and uh, just lifting those up. And I do that basically on a daily basis mm -hmm. uh, because after I sit for a while, I've got to get up and do something. Well, if I yeah. get up and do something, I might as well go pray. Go pray, go yeah. Pray, go do pray. something that's going to make, make a difference. You know? yeah. and so, and then, you know, as far as leading the church, you know, I encourage them. Uh, you know, I've had, I've had you know, times uh, there that I will have specific prayer times, and that's what we're going to do. But, uh, you know, I encourage them just on a daily basis to – Pray for one another. You know, take your Sunday school class. Pray for your Sunday school class. Pray for your teacher. Uh, pray for me. Pray for Sherry. Pray for your deacons. Pray for you know, just pray for these individual people that are in these leadership roles in the church, that we can have, uh, that we will be able to see the 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 way that God is wanting to, us to lead, and uh, see Him work through the lives of you as a body. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, I think that. Because I have sometimes I've, I've heard them uh, talk about yeah I pray for this and I, I have people come in I pray for you every day yeah and uh, you know and I mean they will they they'll tell me that every week that means the world it means it? the world I mean you can do mm -hmm. a lot of things but knowing that you're praying for me during this week 
no matter because they know that you know you're going you deal with a lot of stuff and so they're praying for me to be able to deal with it and handle it in a way that would be you know god honoring and that people would just see god living through us and so me and sherry and so yeah that's that's you know that that is awesome whenever someone comes you know they can come out and you know they'll tell you well you know that was a good message preacher you know or you stepped on my toes today preacher. Yeah. but when they come out and say you know we prayed for you this week yeah they blew it out of the water and uh, yeah. that's what I want to hear. Yeah, when you know those people are there, because then you know, I, I can't even express. Uh, Lillian Herod was an old Sac and Fox Indian woman at Carter Park, where the church I grew up in. When I was ordained, she was, oh, she, I, she, I felt like she was ancient. She was probably in her mid-60s whenever I graduated. She gave me a little uh, Peanuts cartoon, but on the bottom she'd scrawled, um, First Samuel twelve twenty three a, every day, and uh, that's where Samuel was talking to Israel. He said, uh, "Far be it for me that I should sin against God by failing to pray for you mm-hmm. about the people." And she said, and, uh, "I remember when she shared that with me. She said, uh, Jeff, she said I only do this for so many people, but she said every day, and she told me the time. She said, I will pray for y'all, and I would get little cards from her just randomly." But as we went overseas on the mission field and all that, I get a card. Where I'm praying for you at mm-hmm. this time every day. I remember whenever she died, it felt like a little piece of, it was like, yeah. I always knew no matter who else was mad at me or didn't love Somebody, me, Miss Lillian praying for me. <laughs> was praying for me. And if she ever knew, yeah. if I ever would tell her what, she would pray for it until yeah. God gave me an answer. And uh, and when you have people that you know are doing that, it just, it, it makes a difference in all of our lives mm-hmm. uh, uh, to know that brothers and sisters are praying. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this. When you think about, what it means, you know, in Philippians, wherever Paul talks about the church at Philippi and says, uh, you give me joy because you're partners in the gospel. When we think about this business of being partners in the gospel with sister churches and, and fellow pastors, and, uh, and our goal is to see a healthy, great commission Baptist church for every thousand households in the River Valley. What does it mean to you to both to have and then to be a partner in the gospel? Oh, I tell you, I, I don't think that you know, that we as pastors and we as churches can accomplish, you know, we can accomplish some things on our own, but when you come together as local churches, as, uh, you know, you look at the Southern Baptist Convention, you look at the Arkansas Baptist Convention, and you look at our association, and uh, you see how you can get connected, you know, globally and, uh, you know, nationally and state and, and, and locally, uh, you know, pastors working together, coming together. Uh, you know, it's it's. I enjoy being with pastors because you get encouragement from them, and uh, you you can sort of brainstorm with each other. I get calls from pastors. Yeah, all the time. All the time, I, I do. And yeah, quite a few times. <laughs> I've gotten calls. How would you? Yeah, you know, how what, do you do how this? How would you? You know, yeah. it's, it's just that connection you have with pastors that you feel like you you're you're in this together it's not yeah. like i'm out here by myself you know i can call i can call a pastor call you or call a pastor and say hey what would you do mm-hmm. or how would you handle or how would you respond to yeah. these uh, to these things that's going on and uh you know especially with COVID, i've gotten it's crazy how many calls i've gotten from oh, pastors yeah. 
said, how are you dealing with this? Or how is that, you know, how, you know, with all the protocol, with all the guidelines and, yeah. you know, how are you all dealing with this? How do this? we balance it? Yeah, how do we balance this? How do you balance this and this? You know, they would give me the, the stuff. Yeah, the two So ends. I'm like, okay, I don't know if I can tell you this or not, but this is what we're doing. But uh, it's just that camaraderie that you can have mm-hmm. with other pastors knowing that you're not you're not in this ministry thing by yourself Mm-mm. and that you can go and you can get encouragement you can get guys who are praying for you and uh who are just there i mean it, it i've never seen it not every association is the same no and uh i've been in some good ones and i've been in some that you know you, you were there and nobody knew it and so and you were gone and you nobody even knew you were there and gone so uh, but yet, in most in, in the associations that are good associations, the pastors have always had a good camaraderie. Yeah. Every every good association I have been in, they've all had good camaraderie, and so uh, they've been there for one another, encouraging one another, praying for each other, and helping each other in ministry. If you need help in ministry, whatever it is you need done, they're there for you, mm-hmm. and uh, it's just that connection you have. Uh, with other pastors working together, fulfilling the the the, the kingdom work, and uh, it's it's just awesome how how that works out. It is. How, right now, for for you and Sherry for Southside, how can how can your partners in the gospel be praying for y'all right now? Uh, you know, praying for us. Uh, you know, when I you know we've talked about this at the mm-hmm. very beginning about. You know, when I when we came to Southside, it was sort of on that brink of, you know, you still think you're on that brink of. Yeah. I don't know if this is going to last or not. I don't know how. I don't know if they're going to keep their doors open or not. And uh, but yet, you know, it, you know, to pray for us is that, uh, you know, we're we're praying for uh, younger families, uh, and we're we're seeing some of that a little bit right now. But younger families to be able to come in, and that we can either disciple. And help to grow where they can become leaders, uh, you know, servants within the church, and mm-hmm. uh, they can take on some of those teaching roles and things of that nature. Uh, but that's what we're praying for: is that God will send us good, uh, you know, good families, whether they're older or younger, whatever it is. We're just praying for good families to come in and uh, to be able to connect and to become a part of us and to want to see God grow His kingdom through us. And uh, that's what we're praying for. All right. Well, let me let me pray for you and for Southside right now. All right. Father, we come to you, and Lord, we thank you for your grace in our lives. And Father, I thank you that you that you have grown and shaped and placed here in the River Valley with us, the Howard and Sherry Huddle. Father, I thank you for their love for you, for the leadership they provide, not only at Southside, but Lord, throughout. Uh, the Great Commission Association. Father, I pray, I pray that you will. Lord, whether it's whether it's in some of these conversations that Howard's gonna have with with those who are who are lost and unchurched right now, or Lord, whether it's through families that that move in and um, and find a home, or whether it's through teachers or parents down at Baldwin that realize there's a church that loves them. But Father, I, I pray that you will bring in place in the life Southside Baptist Church, families that have a desire to lift up Christ, to see people come to him. And Father, that that they would realize that it is 
It is from the platform of 2400 Dotson Avenue that you want them to serve you right now. Because, Father, the scripture tells us in Ephesians that you put your church together. Lord, whatever the time and season and place is, you place those people in every local congregation that you need to accomplish your purposes. Father, I pray that you bring them in. And, Lord, give, uh, give Howard and give Southside the eyes to see as they come in. Whether they come in kind of fully ready to jump into harness or, Lord, whether they need some, some time and a season of nurture and growth in order to grow in to the task that you have for them. Father, I just uh, pray that you do that in such a way that for decades to come, uh, Lord, even whenever we go beyond uh, the time that you have for me and Howard here in this place, that until Christ returns, there is a clear and a bold gospel witness at Southside Baptist Church reaching the community around them and the world at large. We ask that in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen.